0: Hello and welcome back to Conversing Over Drinks, the podcast. I'm your host, Cedric Turner, and on this episode, I have my buddy, Doc Fell, who is a doctor and a musician down in the Tahlequah area. Now, there's going to be a point in time in the episode where I'm talking about a song, and you can't really hear the song, so I've had to cut out a little bit of it, but I will play the song at the beginning of the podcast so that you understand what I am talking about. The song's name is Dear Jane. And it's off his latest album, which you can check on Spotify and Apple. And I'll do this again at the end of the episode so you can check it out again. Okay? So thank you again for tuning in. Give this episode a great listen because it was a great conversation with a great person. Thank you again for tuning in to Conversing Over Drinks, the podcast.
1: Lions are all high and mighty, sheep all meek and lowly. The righteous wander around, wishing they could be unholy. There ain't no place to run for shelter when the storm's bound to with the rain. Or a place to hide from calamity. Oh, my
0: dear, sweet Jane. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to whomever is listening at whatever time you're listening. I am your host, Cedric Turner, and this is Conversing Over Drinks, episode number four. I have a good friend of mine, a musician out of the Tahlequah area, John Fell, but if you know him personally, Doc Fell. Everybody likes to call him Doc, and so I'll let Doc introduce himself, and then we'll start the episode. All right. Hey
2: everybody. Yeah, Doc Fell. Uh, John Fell as well. Been in Tahlequah about 10 years. Work as a doctor here and I play a lot of music and uh, been friends with Cedric for a few years now and excited to be on this podcast.
0: So you say you've been in Tahlequah for about 10 years now. What was the move to Tahlequah and where'd you move from?
2: I, was, I actually lived in Pryor, which is about an hour away from Tahlequah. And I went through a bad divorce and had some issues and had to get out of town. So I ran back to Tahlequah. I'd actually gone to grad or I'd gone undergrad at Tahlequah, and I liked the city. They had a good opportunity for me, and I liked the vibe of the town. So here I am.
0: Yeah, I, I understand. I came to Tahlequah for college and kind of just felt the vibe, liked it. Um, it was different from what I was used to because I'm from Oklahoma City. So it was crazy coming to Tahlequah, which is a lot smaller. <laughs> so, But it, it, it was a good vibe. It was a very good vibe. So, why don't we talk about our first interactions with each other? I think we first met maybe, was it at the bar? Is that Ned's?
2: I feel like um we hosted the basketball team at our house one time. Maybe I'd met you before that, or I'd run into you maybe at the bar one time before that.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then we hope, then we hosted the NSU. You hosted the NSU basketball team at your house. Yeah, uh, and they got we got a bit closer after that because then I started watch. Then I started working at Dwayne's, and we yeah. saw each other a lot more. And so, but yeah, it was it was good times, man. It was uh. I-
2: can't shake you
0: now. <laughs> <laughs> most people, st- most people still try to. So they, it, 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 <laughs> you just gotta hit a couple boobs. Oh, um, yeah. so people always ask me about music because they know I'm just such a huge fan of music, and I'm always introducing people to different genres because I listen to everything. So I'm always pushing people on people that I know. And your name is one that always pops up whenever I'm talking to people about music because it's just so easy for me to access it and just to yeah. be like, hey, go check out uh, my buddy Doc on Spotify. I was, yeah. like, he, I was like, it's good listens. go ahead and go check him out. So they always ask me, how you got the name Doc? And I told them because, I was like, well, he is a doctor. So, <laughs> so if you want to, I was like, if you want to talk about that and go into that a little bit,
2: yeah, it, it confuses people, because some people know me as Doc from the band, and they assume it's like a uh, a moniker, like it's a little nickname, like Doc Hook, Dr. Hook, or Dr. John, or, you know, some different different doctor bands, or even um, Doc Holiday, you know, kind of like that idea.
0: Yeah.
2: And some people just know me as a doctor, and so sometimes those worlds collide, and they're like if they're on one side of the fence and they see that there's the other side of the fence, it blows their mind or vice versa. You know, they're like, you play music. Oh my gosh. Sure. <laughs> or, or the opposite. They're like, you're a real doctor. I'm like, yeah, it's not, <laughs> not just a name, but uh, you know, when I moved to Tahlequah, I'd, I'd been in a cover band, played music for a while before that, but I, when I moved here, um, my wife Kira convinced me to go do an open mic and play a little music live. And I got lucky to run to my buddy Joe Mac that night. And he said, man, I like what you're doing. He goes, come back and, do a full hour and a half set, you know, in a, in a month. And I'd only written a few songs. I was like, sure, I'll do it. And then I had to go write like every song I could think of. And I showed up and played them, and most of them were just awful, but I, at least it got me where I was like in this mindset of you've got to write and you've got to keep writing. And uh, I was kind of fiddling around trying to figure out my identity and what I was going to call what I was doing. And so why do once you own it, your doc, you know, or we call you doc. So once you just be doc. And I said, well, doc fell makes sense. And then I had a little buddy I was playing with, and I said I'll just call it company and company because I don't know who I'm gonna be playing with. So, as it turns out, I've had like 20 different people in the band. So, company kind of works pretty good. I've got a pretty solid five piece right now, and I hope it stays that way. But uh, over time, it's shifted a lot. I can, I can name a whole list of characters that have been in the band and just kind of the evolution of, of where we've been. So,
0: yeah, man, that's that's amazing, and a lot of people don't know. Taco has. A uh, low-key, very good little music scene going on down there. There's a lot of talent down in Tahlequah that a lot of people don't know about that come out to open mics, that do little performances at Neds and Dwayne's. And I think it's a spot where most people don't really realize how much talent is down there.
2: You know, I don't think we appreciate it as a community. I mean, I do. I appreciate it because we have some tremendous talent that's here week in and week out and usually playing two to three venues. And for a town the size of Telequah, I mean, you'd expect a college town to have a little bit of a, a music scene, but I think it's got a much more vibrant scene than, than most places. And I know a lot of musicians that come and play here, they really like it. They're like, man, the vibe's so good. you have got a pretty good listening crowd. You got a lot of venues to play from. And, and you've got a really good mix of musicians that are in town that will support you or come out and play with you. So, I mean, it, it's it's a it's – a, like I said, it's uh, one of my favorite places to play. I play up in Tulsa quite a bit, have some good places to play there, but I always love getting to play a good hometown gig because I always know I'm going to have some great support and a lot of love.
0: Oh, yeah. And that's another thing. I've always felt like Tal has really embraced that music scene with love. Like, they – like, there's not too many artists in Tahlequah who give bad responses when they go out and do stuff. Even if people aren't really feeling it, they're not going to be that rude about it. They're going to be like, yeah, it was all right. But they're not going to be like brutally rude. And- it's, it's
2: really a breeding ground for uh, people trying to uh, become musicians or people that are interested in learning to play. I see a lot of up-and-comers. I mean, I've seen a lot of people who are established. You know, we have some bigger bands associated with the town, like Old Turnpike Tremendors and... RC and the Ambers, and then we've got, you know, brand new artists burgeoning all the time and people, you know, trying to spread their wings and find their own voice. And it's it's just awesome. And even you playing a little music, buddy.
0: Yeah. I mean, we don't talk about my music much, but <laughs> but uh no, it was it was funny to me because even speaking of turnpike, I knew half of those guys just from hanging out with them before I even knew about Turnpike. And it, was, it was crazy to me. Like we, were, we were at a fraternity party and somebody was playing a, a song. And I was like, who is this? it was like, it's Turnpike trip And I was like, that's cool. I was like, where are they from? They was like, Tahlequah. They showed me a picture. I was like, I know like five of these guys. <laughs> so I, was like, I was like, what's going on, man? I think I even lived in their old house for like a year or so. Like the one on Normal Street? Yeah. I lived in that house for like a year. It didn't even realize. Oh, yeah. yeah, it was crazy. Oh, so what type of genre would you classify your music, Like, If you could break down the type of music you do, how would you classify it? Uh, I recently
2: changed uh, my description to postmodern country. I don't even know. Country, postmodern country and Western. There you go. I'm going to make it even bigger. Um, I don't even know. Uh, Like we go all over the place. We have uh, everything from, I, I probably would describe my voice as more of a classic country sound and i get that a lot from people that are doing reviews like you sound way too old school country we have no use for that but yeah. our music tends to embrace a lot of uh, you know there's red dirt this kind of uh, indigenous to the area and then uh, uh blues and rock and roll and we just kind of go all over the place a little bit of gospel funk and all that kind of stuff so we have I- i've tried at least to kind of be open to not just having one sound maybe maybe to you or someone else that might say, "Yeah, oh, this all kinds of sounds the same, but I try to kind of push the songs to go into a direction that's kind of particular for that song. And so it isn't just trying to have one note or staying in one particular lane. So we're all over the place. That's, that's the answer.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> I completely understand that. I mean, because I've been uh, associated with music since, yeah, since we, since before I can remember, so I've always been a big fan and a historian of music. And so when I listen to your stuff, I do hear the difference. That's why I ask, like, what well, where do you classify yourself? Because I can't, I can't put my finger on it. I'm like, he, he, he sounds like an old western, and then there's little blues in there. I was like, did his voice would change every once in a while? I'm like, where is he at? Like, <laughs> <And> <laughs> so I, I had to ask that question. One I'll stick I'd
2: probably be more helpful as far as popularity to stick with one thing and go with it, but I mean, I, I just personally just don't, that doesn't appeal to me.
0: Yeah, so, and do it that's, my way. that's all to the musician. Like, I've always told people, it doesn't matter what other people say about it, as long as you're passionate about it. Like, if people can feel the passion in your music, you're going to be successful. Yeah. And that's that's a big thing when it comes to music. So, spe- still speaking on music, has this always been a passion or a love, or is this something you grew into, or I honestly,
2: uh, I, I think I love music from a very young age, but I, I was petrified of public performance. I wasn't in choir. I didn't really play any music in high school. I didn't le- I knew a little bit of piano and I took a little bit of band one semester, but I didn't know much. Um, when I got in college, I got my first guitar. I just really kind of had a, you know, everybody gets that college craving to learn guitar for like a minute. So I got a guitar and started picking around and I learned some Eagle songs and a few things. And if it was me alone, nobody else around, I would wail on that thing. I would play the guitar and, um, really enjoyed it. And really, honestly, I wouldn't play for hardly a soul up until my mid thirties, early thirties. And then I, I started being a little braver and I played for a few friends and then they invited me to come play for a cookout and it just all kind of started springboarding from there. Once I kind of get out of that shell, um, I started performing more regularly and had a few gigs and started a band. And next thing you know, it's, it's all but it started late in life. So I'm a really late bloomer as far as music goes. Although I did love it, it just wasn't. I think if I'd started much younger performing, it would have been could have had a better chance of like having a having a little more career with it than I do. But I'm doing good. I'm not complaining.
0: Yeah. And there's there's always different routes. I mean, because when I as you said, I do a little music as well, but I grew up in music. Like I grew up in the choir. I grew up singing in the church. Um I grew up playing instruments. And so the older I got, the more I veered away from it. And so my music, my music uh, changed. And I didn't really want to do it anymore. Um, yeah. I think I just got tired of it. But even as older I get, I still, I think the reason I don't do music as much now is because I'm looking for a sound that I can't find or hear right now. Like, I hear it in my head, but I can't. Find someone who can actually play it for me, and so it's it's weird because I I want like an old school blues mixed in with like nineties neo soul with percussion. That's just crazy, and I don't know anybody that can really do that. It's because <laughs> I was like I don't I don't want to lose the percussion because that's just so authentic to my culture. Yeah, sometimes I, you find
2: parts over time. I know, you know, for oh, me, yeah. um, you know, I never, when I started recording my first album, I only had me and a bass player and I didn't know anybody else that played music or get drums or anything. So the journey of finding people along the way who who could fit those bills uh, was kind of half the fun of it all, honestly. Um,
0: so. Oh, yeah. And so you said that when you got to college, you got the guitar, and you started. Playing songs and stringing songs. So this, was this was this the phase of every um, every college student who gets a guitar who wants to sit underneath the tree and play a couple songs and girls walk up and you just sit there stringing the guitar or yeah
2: that would have been the ideal situation except I've <laughs> never done that because I wouldn't have go out I wouldn't go out in public I mean in my mind I was like man if I could just go out and sing uh, Sweet Home Alabama for these girls they're gonna lose their mind. You know, <laughs> they, I play "Take It Easy" on the guitar. They're gonna lose their minds, but I was Ugh. too chicken to even pick up a guitar and try playing publicly. So, uh, in my mind, though, it would have been perfect. But yeah, I, I think you know, you you, you uh, a lot of people uh, finding college that they kind of have a hankering to perform or have some sort of burning desire to learn how to play, just to be able to sing and perform. But you know, yeah. um, that that was pretty much it. Yeah, but luckily, it stuck. And well, I mean, there was a time that I. I picked it up and put it down and I was going through med school and, and raising a family and stuff and there wasn't a lot of time to do anything with it and it just kind of I was probably a good you know gap of, of graduating and going through all that about eight or nine years where I didn't do a whole lot and then I started picking it up and kind of it came back to me and it really had a burning passion for it and so those things wax and wane though over time I mean you know writing songs can be the same thing or recording or performing you know I mean there are times I'm super super passionate about it and there are times I'm a little bit burned out or not feeling it as much and you have to kind of work through those or, or put it down sometimes a little while and say all right you know what i I need to just step away for a second i need to let things kind of simmer and, and decide where i'm going to next or wait till it comes to me you know get oh, back
0: yeah. i completely understand that like i think everyone has to do that with something that they love in order to keep loving it so uh, you sometimes you have to step away so that, that passion can come back so the passion right. can come back and just burn even harder now, I do know you have a big family, <laughs> and so yeah. how how do you juggle being one of the most demanding professions as a as a doctor, having a big family and doing music? Well, uh, I don't play golf that helps.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I decided early on I was like most doctors play golf and they everybody has some sort of a hobby though honestly fishing or or uh you know whatever it is whatever they do there's always something they do to distract themselves and for me my hobby 100% of the time is is music if if I have the opportunity to be doing something to further that then that's that's what I do um it's just and it, that just that's kind of dedication you know it goes from being necessarily just something you goofing around doing to something you are much more committed to where you're saying all right this is almost and for me honestly music at times is just like a job i mean i i enjoy the performing aspect of it. And I enjoy the getting to record aspect, but in between to get to those points, you have to do a lot of work and hustle to, to make that happen. Otherwise, you know, nobody knows who you are. They're not going to book you anywhere. And if you yeah. don't have any song, or what's the point of going to the studio. So you have to keep doing those things and pushing forward. So, um, even though there's a lot of things going on in my life and it's constant, and I, I, it's just a matter of saying, all right, I'm dedicated and I have to take a certain amount of time to devote, to doing the business side of things. And then a certain amount of time to say, you know what, I've got to play a gig this Friday afternoon. So let's, you know, work our family stuff around that or set my schedule where, where it correlates with the kids. Now, luckily I do have six kids, roughly seven at home. Well, we've had at home, but luckily yeah, three are in college now and and the older ones are, in, are all in high school. So they're pretty much self-sufficient. We have to do some events with them, but they're, they're pretty autonomous at this point. So that helps.
0: Yeah. So, out of your kids, are any of them just like in love with music like you are? Who just want to do it constantly? Well, I'm going to or... plug uh,
2: right now. My oldest Hannah is uh, has a band called Hannah the Postman, and they have a post postmodern rock band that's fabulous. And everybody, I, I seen they were in the uh, NSU paper last week, and they touted them as the hottest band in Tallacqua, and I believe that's true. Uh... Like they're, they're super fun. They're they're jazz and rock, and they're. Um, she's a great singer and honestly one of my buddies always jokes he was like hannah's better and like she honestly i've got a pretty good voice but she's got an amazing voice Uh, no you're a great voice i'm like yeah but honestly she's like definitely got a a different range and a different style than i do so i'm blessed to have her i mean and um i got a couple others that are interested uh, in music uh they haven't really pursued it to the level she has but um you know that that could come with time like i was telling it's not there's no no harm in being a late bloomer
0: Oh, yeah. But going back to your friend saying that Hannah has a better voice or anything, but isn't that what you want for your kids? You always want your kids to exceed what you did. Like You always want them to exceed your expectations.
2: With their careers and their families and their marriages and everything, you want them to just kind of always do better. and I think it's any parent's goal. So to me, honestly, it's not a slight to me. I mean, they're saying, you're good, you're good, but she's honestly great. And I'm like, that's a great compliment to me, you know. And one of the things that I take credit for is when she was young, you know, she was learning guitar. I really started encouraging her to perform. and She didn't want to; she was nervous about it. I said, "Well, I dealt with the same thing." I said, "But when I have a gig, I'm going to bring you up and let you do a couple songs." And she, you know, she was petrified. But I got her up doing that when she was 17, 18, and now she's 22 and she has no problem. And she has them for a crowd; doesn't even sort of break a sweat. And she's like, you know, owning the stage. And I'm like, you know, yeah. she got that. And that's sometimes what you need is that a little bit of confidence to kind of overcome those. Those walls and that and that fear, those those things that really inhibit people.
0: Yeah, I've I've always said that about performers because I used to give my auntie and uncle so much hell about loving Bobby Brown because I was like Bobby Brown can't sing a lick. I was, like, but, I was like, but he is an amazing performer. And I was like, when you see him on the stage, yeah. you kind of just ignore that he can't really sing. I was like, so I was like, that, that that sells people a lot when you see them on the stage and they're just owning it. You're like, you just, confidence exudes from people and you just, you're attracted to confidence. And, yeah.
2: and I know the long time where I didn't have a lot of confidence and I would, you know, be performing and you're singing good, but you're not really engaging the crowd, and I still work on that, and I know, and at times, I'll get pretty into it, and Kira's like, when did you get so into your music? I'm like, well, it just comes with being confident, you know, and comes yeah. with over here, and being willing to kind of open yourself up, and feel the vibe, and, and and engage with the crowd, and that's that's not an easy thing to do. Some people have a very natural gift for it, maybe like Bobby Brown, and for a lot of us, though, it's it's kind of like cultivating your musical talents. Like, I mean, some people just automatically have these amazing talents and they can do everything like Prince probably, but other people have to work super, super hard to even come close to that. And, and, you know, it's just a matter of what you're gifted
0: with. Oh yeah. And so we talked about your music. We talked a little bit about your family. You went to school to be a doctor. Was that your first decision or did that come along with just being in school or how Uh, did that happen?
2: In my mind, I, I, from a young age, I, I thought of being a doctor, like I thought I really wanted to help people. And it was kind of a passion of mine to, you know, honestly, to be a family physician to kind of return to my hometown and be able to provide care, which I did that for several years until things kind of went south. But I mean, it was and now I'm here doing the same sort of thing. And um, I enjoy Providing healthcare, and the thing is, I really love music, and I really love my job that I do. Even though sometimes it's super duper stressful, I think it's a very it's a very noble uh, profession, and I'm really glad to be able to do what I do. So, but yeah, it started an early age. Although I veered off that course a little bit time to time, I kind of always had a little bit of a of a navigation towards that, and I ended up, you know, being able to pull it off and get into med school and do the things it takes to kind of get to those hoops, which are not easy.
0: Yeah, I mean, I. I couldn't imagine going to school for as long as you have to go to school to be a doctor. I was yeah. like, it took, it took me ten years to get my bachelor's, and I struggled <laughs> that whole ten because I just didn't want to do it. <laughs> yeah, but I knew it had to be done, and so I just I finished it out. So, the music—do you have anything new you're working on? Do you have anything upcoming? I saw you had the guitar when we first came on. You got something you want to play? I was like, "Ah, so uh, right
2: you know, buddy, I'll play next time." But I, I do have one. I do have one single I'm working on right now, working with the guy here in town, Nate Jones, and um, trying to record some new stuff. I've got I've got plenty of stuff to record, but I haven't had much of an opportunity to get in the studio uh, recently. We did release an album back in July of this year, and we decided just right in the middle of COVID, you know, pandemic, we're like, we got this album. Let's just go ahead and pop it out, and so. It's doing pretty well for me it's called revelations and people can listen to it on you know spotify and all the usual places that they that they uh, want to listen to music so and it's my fourth studio album i feel real lucky to have been able to crank out about four albums with about you know 40 plus tracks and a few singles over time so
0: yeah so who i see the bob marley poster in the background so i have to ask i ask everybody who has a musical talent or any type of talent who's your inspiration behind what you do uh you know i mean there's several
2: artists that i that really admire i mean one that i always typically talk about is willie nelson um which is you know uh, and, I, and i love bob marley too but there's certain artists that just have a certain uh certain control of their music and a certain certain love for their music that just exudes you know to you uh, one thing i love about willie is like i don't know he's like almost almost 85 or whatever now and he's still if it wasn't for code he'd be out touring every night i mean he plays a constant rigorous road schedule he plays the heck out of his guitar he could easily have retired a long time ago rest on his laurels but he's out busting his ass and he's cranking out you know three or four albums a year i mean this guy's just like constantly doing things that are insane you know at a, at a level that's just way beyond what other people are capable of so yeah. and one of the cool things, you might know, know about will will Willie, but you know he kind of gone to nashville he got he got He wrote a few songs that made him famous and he released a few albums, but nobody really embraced it. Like, you know, he was just on the side, nobody cared about him. And he finally got fed up with the industry and moved back to Texas and just recorded an album the way he wanted, which was sparse. It was called the redhead stranger and it didn't have much instrumentation. And he turned it into his label and they're like, where's, okay, this is a good uh, demo. Where's the rest of the album? He's like, no, that is the album. And they're like, "Um, that sounds like a demo. That's, that's a piece of trash. And he insisted, he was adamant that they go ahead and release it and end up exploding and being like his greatest album of all time. You know, I mean, it's just,
0: wow.
2: it's a matter of having that tenacity to say, all right, you know what, I, I understand what our music needs to be and what it is and not letting other people dictate that. So kind of my hero in that way where he was able to, you know, forge that own path for
0: himself. Man, that, that's a great story. I did not know that about Willie at all. And I'm a big Willie Nelson fan. Um, so that's, that's a great story to hear. Um, when it comes to music in general I, I grew up with my grandparents and so my inspirations were a lot of old timers like I loved Muddy Waters uh, Little Walter uh, Ray Charles Etta James like I grew up on those sounds and yeah. when what, what I think about it I was like I always try to revert back to that sound because I I always joke around with my buddies. I'm like, man, I was I was kind of born in the wrong era for music. I was like, if I was born in the '60s and '70s, I was like, I was like, I'm golden. I was like, my voice fits that. I was like, my voice. I was like, my voice doesn't fit this era. My voice fits an old era because wrong
2: era. Yeah, yeah. I
0: was like, even what I do, when I would seldomly do karaoke, I would always do an Otis Redding song or a temptation song or something old because it was just something I was so comfortable with. And those guys, I just love, one, I love their sound, and two, I always loved the storytelling behind their songs. I was never never a fan of just repetition. I love storytelling. I love being able to close my eyes and envision what someone is saying in their music. Yeah, so I, I always loved that old, that old school stuff because it was storytelling. They were always telling stories, especially in blues. In blues, they're constantly telling stories.
2: Yeah, and, and, I, so and was, I probably qualify myself as a story songwriter. Like I feel like I always have to have some sort of a, a story and a message and a conclusion. Um, you know, for me, that's important, and and, and that's how I've heard other people say, "You're well, you're a story songwriter." I was Like, yeah, I mean, I think some people have to be. And that's not necessarily. I mean, there are some story songs out there, especially more in country, but most most songs are, are not about that. I mean, they're just about, you know, a hook and about a beat and about, you know, it's it's not really you don't get much of a story from it, other than the fact that it's just fun to listen to or dance to or sing along to, you know, so it's kind of harder to sell that in, in this market. And You know, I grew up. Um, Probably my other influence would say it was church. I mean, I grew up in a Southern Baptist Church, so you had all those old hymnals you're singing out of, and you know that's probably where I learned to harmonize. You know, I sang along and I always was trying to match harmonies. For me, it was always a, I love.
0: All
2: right, sorry for the
0: intermission. I mean, w- with my job, I always have parents calling and asking about the kids, so I had to had to pick that up real quick. Right, no problem. But uh, where we leave off at? What where we do? Uh, guys-
2: uh, going to church and uh,
0: harmonies yeah so well, you said you said you were going to church and learn how to pick up harmonies through church and all that
2: that's probably what inspired my music more than anything like i mean i i really enjoyed singing harmonies and i and uh you know and gospel music probably really influences a lot of my sound too like i i I wrote a song uh, for my third album called Beale Land. It's a gospel, really gospel sounding song. And it, people, it's one of my bo- most requested tracks yeah. live. Like, that's one people always want to hear. Yeah. And it's absolutely based on growing up in the Southern Baptist Church and having that kind of rearing of singing old classic church hymnals. I can't hardly stand to go to those churches now because they all sing, you know, praise and worship songs, and it's just not the same.
0: Yeah, like, I... I completely agree because I grew up in an old Southern Baptist church in Bowie, and so when I grew up singing music, I was singing old hymnals, and I mean, yeah. like you you have to have, you have to have a different type of voice to sing an old hymnal. Yeah, and it was always fun because I would always. I told people all the time. I was like, "You always know you're a good singer in church, especially in a black church." I was like, if you're in a black church and you hit a high note and somebody's auntie stands up and she does this, I was like, you good. I was like, it's done. I was like, if she, if she puts that hand up in the air and does that little half spin, you you good. You're golden. I was like, I was like, after church, you get all the cookies you want, man. I was like, you done it. Yeah. I was like, it was always fun. It was always fun, but I I, I was not gonna lie to my grandmother when I told her. I was like, "Look, I was like, church burned me out on singing because it yeah. was just, it was Sunday morning, evening, Wednesday, Thursday, yeah. choir practice, Friday, Saturday. I was like, yeah I was like, I, I practice more for this than I did playing ball, and I actually love playing ball. I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but before I let you go, man, um. I had to play this song because this is one of the songs off of your new albums that I really do like, and it is your yep. first track. It is "Dear Jane." Awesome. And I love this song. I listened to it when it first when I first took up the album. Yep. I listened to it. I was like, "Man, this song is amazing!" Like, I had it on repeat for probably a good thirty minutes. Good dude, I'm glad
2: you got it, man.
0: Great stuff, man. That was great. Like, I had to pull that out so that people could actually know, man. Like, it is like that song. I was like, man, I like, this song is cool as hell. Like, it, <laughs> like, I was just, I listened to it on repeat for a little bit. What was the background behind that song? Uh,
2: I kind of wish I knew. That's a song that I wrote, and um, I had the actually i think it was uh i think it was the dear jane part that actually stuck in my head there was another i heard this other song uh that was talking about dear jane it was written by brandy carlisle it was a different different idea it was about this um more of a jane doe type person but in my mind it was more about um it was, it's a song about empowering woman like a woman overcoming and we're going through a lot of this uh you know we were going through a lot of that stuff at the, time with the uh, uh, you know, the women kind of standing up for themselves and like identifying people, abusing them and so forth and and uh, the Me Too thing. And so it, I think that was kind of in the back of my mind. and I started writing that song and it's kind of, if you, in my mind, the story, and, and here's the thing about a song. People ask Willie Nelson, you're like, well, if you like Willie Nelson, they're asking Willie Nelson what, what a song means. And he goes, the meaning is the song and the song is the meaning. He's kind of like Buddha. He just says stuff like that. And it's like, yeah. well, basically the meaning is in the song and the song is the meaning. So whatever you want it to be, it could be. And, you know, for me, obviously, some have more obvious, you know, uh, outlooks. But to me, it was kind of inspired by that movement and by a woman overcoming her adversity, whether that's an abusive relationship or or any kind of obstacle that's in her way. So,
0: yeah. And man, it was such a good song. And I, I kind of felt like that's where you were going with it. I just wanted to ask. uh, Well, as far as,
2: and then, as far as the music, uh, you know, um, I had that idea to start. It, it's a it starts in a minor, which I've start every album I've written starts with a minor key song, which is kind of a more solemn um, uh, sound. And it got really intense. We started fiddling with it, and literally brought in Kyle Nicks to do fiddling, and then had his, his sweet little fiddle intro, and then uh, Kyle Brown on the guitar with the guitar licks, and it kind of just became more of a rock sounding uh be uh, you know rhythm in there the I think the the this the melody is is really good and solid too which to me over time you know I, I've, I've gone from really focusing on just the words to really finding that I really have to focus a lot more on the melody and have in the structures yeah. just as important you know and it kind of that creates a more balanced it's like in basketball you want to be a more balanced player you got to kind of work on your defensive skills and your offensive skills and in music I think it's the same sort of thing and that's a song that kind of I think Shows some of the evolution of where I come from, maybe the first album through to this fourth album, as far as being able to produce a track and then have one that sounds pretty cool like that.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, even when I was younger, my grandmother used to tell me when I was in the church choir, she would tell me ride the beat. And I never understood what it meant. Like I was like, what do you mean by ride the beat? And she's like, you gotta. She's like, you can't just sing the song the way you want to sing it. You gotta follow the people playing the music yeah. and make sure you flow with them so that yeah. it sounds. The she's like, so that you can really find your sound. So you gotta yeah. ride the beat. And I was like, okay. I was like, <laughs> I, was like All right, I get it. I was like, it yeah. was. I understand that. Now. So I just that clearly about catching the flow, and it just. I don't even know where I'm going with I'm just going to leave it there. Yeah. Catching the flow and riding the melodies. Let's just say Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm oh, glad man. you like it. Oh, yeah, man. I, I like it a lot. Like, and, like I said, I've always been well-versed in music. Like, I don't, there's not really one genre that I just can't listen to. Like, I love country music. I love R&B. I love old blues. I love all music. Uh, yeah. Hell, before, when I was in high school, before football games, I would listen to classical music like Mozart before I would go to the football field. And then during basketball season, I would listen to, like, old school blues songs. Like, my my favorite song to listen to before a basketball game was a Muddy Water song. Yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, I, I was like, I got to make sure I don't butcher this title. i <laughs> uh, like, because I'm trying to remember which one it was. Uh, I got my mojo working. That was my yeah. favorite song to listen to before yeah. I got on to the basketball court. I got my mojo working. <laughs> and I, was, like, I would always I'd come out and my coach would crack me up because he didn't know what I was talking about. Cause I would come through and I was like, I got my mojo working. He was like, What are you doing? I was like, Don't worry about it, coach. i like, yeah, <laughs> I, was like yeah. <laughs> I was like, just let me do my thing right now. <laughs> But, Doc, man, it was great having you on, man. It was great having you on this episode. Thank you again for listening to this episode. It was great having Doc Fell on. It was great listening to his journey through life. And speaking of his daughter, Hannah, their band is called Hannah and the Postman. I looked for some music online. I couldn't find any. And if there is music online, I apologize, Hannah. But I have heard them live just from going to see them at shows. And they are a really good band. And so, Hannah and the Postman is the band. You can catch them on Instagram if you want to follow their account. And Doc Feld is the musician. And we're going to end this episode playing another one of his songs, End of the Line, that he put out back in 2018. Okay? Once again, thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you for listening to the episode. Thank you for listening to the podcast. And thank you again, Doc, for being on. Okay? Thank you. Peace. We out.
1: Windshield wipers working overtime Raindrops falling from a dull grey sky Lonesome highway making wheels Interstate cowboy riding the